I'm so excited to welcome today's guests, Damon Williams and Daniel Kisslinger, the co-hosts of Ergo, a weekly podcast and media hub here in Chicago. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having us. We're, we're happy to be here. It feels like family. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of smiles and laughs mm -hmm. because we genuinely appreciate each other. Um, how are you walking through the world these days? We learned that from you. <laughs> how are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm feeling grateful, uh, which is, you know, always we try to lean into. But I think this is a season of really starting to feel realized in our work and ambition. So as we were really getting started and as our partnership was forming, uh, and I think a lot of the other work that we're informed by, a lot of it was purely vision, purely passion, purely like what if, and I feel like the ifs are starting to take shape a little bit more, so I'm, I'm standing in that. How you feeling, buddy? Yeah, we've done a lot of like planting and tending to, and now we're starting to like move toward things, being ready to harvest, and that's very exciting. So it's so good to get to hang out with y'all. Yeah, and this is great, y'all. Yeah, look at In our cafe. Yeah. We like that. That's how we like to roll. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you talked about planting and harvesting. We're working together on a really exciting, a really exciting program called Help This Garden Grow. Can you tell us about it? Sure. So Help This Garden Grow is a six-part uh, audio documentary series about uh, Hazel Johnson and People for Community Recovery. Um, Dan, you want to give a little bit more info yeah. there? Yeah, and also Cheryl Johnson, her, her daughter. Um, so for folks who are unfamiliar, you know. Listen knows. to the yeah. <laughs> But um, Hazel Johnson has been known as the, the mother of the modern environmental justice movement, um, worked here in Chicago in all Gill Gardens community um, in a, a highly contaminated industrial zone that is known as the toxic donut. Um, and so, you know, she started in the late 70s and really caught wind in the 80s and 90s and her daughter Cheryl for the last 20 or so years has really been embodying and continuing this legacy of not just an organization and not just naming a harm but really activating what environmental justice looks like. So it's been really exciting for me as someone who's got into media work as an artist but also as a participant in movement and someone committed to justice and liberation um, and in learning this story at a deeper level it feels like the the EJ movement has had so many of the concrete material steps that can sometimes get missed in some of the other spaces that are justice oriented so it's really felt like I've been finding the answer and that these black women have been like tending to this revolutionary tradition that really our whole society needs to learn from. Wow, what a beautiful overview, and we are happy to be a part of it. Talk a little bit about the genesis of it, because it came out of season two mm -hmm, of Climate mm -hmm, Changemakers, mm -hmm. and you really touched our hearts when you wanted to do it, but how did you decide yeah. to do it? Yeah, so one, as you said, it was born out of the collaboration that, that the, really the four of us have had now for going on three years. Um, so we started working on this show and, and, uh, of Climate Change Makers. And really for Damon and me, like, we had begun learning into and, and finding our way toward environmental justice, but it wasn't either of our entry points into mm -hmm. social movements and activism and organizing or media. Um, and, and so when we were presented with the opportunity to kind of come in as learners, uh, that was really exciting. And so the way that both of us uh, typically learn is we come across a, a story or a historical moment or a person that we've never heard of before, and then we go, oh, I wonder what the 
the documentary is on this person. Let me go find out more about their life. And so through talking to Olga Bautista from the Southeast Environmental Task Force on climate change makers, started learning more about that region, came across Hazel's name, and I was like, oh, perfect, I'll go find the documentary. And you know, there's like little clips or news stories or, you know, there's plenty of press, but really like a, a full telling of the life and legacy of this person and this community's work over the last 50 years or so um, didn't exist for me to learn. So I came to Dame and then we came to you and um, largely through the efforts and the support that y'all gave, you've made this project happen. So we are still like, you know, uh, elbow deep in the making of it. Uh, it's been an amazing learning opportunity and challenging and wonderful and exciting and really excited for it to, you know, exist in the world so other people can learn this person's story too. That's so touching. I want to pass it to Anne because when you came to me, I'm like, let's go to Anne. <laughs> I've got lots of ideas about how we can do it and she can raise the money. <laughs> what was it like talking to the funders about this? Oh, so inspiring and really just so easy because you all put together such a compelling narrative. Um, and honestly, you know, Hazel and Cheryl's lives are, is such a compelling, compelling narrative. So it was incredibly joyful and, and pretty easy to, to bring the resources to this. And I'm grateful to you both for your, both your curiosity and your persistence. And you've both talked a lot about um, how you came to the environmental movement, which you know, brings me my heart joy, because <laughs> we need y'all. Mm -hmm. We need y'all. I'd love to hear more about your backgrounds in social justice and the work that you've done. Yeah, so you know, my entry point into being activated in my consciousness was the Ferguson Uprising. Um, and so I'm a part of one of the co-founders of the Let Us Breathe Collective. So our organization emerged in the ecosystem of what we kind of internally call the movement for black lives. Some folks know it as like the Black Lives Matter movement in general. Um, and particularly like the black liberatory abolitionist tradition is a big part of our collaboration and definitely like my life and work. Um, and so even in talking about the intersection, you know, when we talk about black liberation, when we talk about structural racism, there was always this, you know, in the margin or in the ear, like, okay, we need to make sure we have environmental folks at the table, or, you know, we want to have better control of our food systems, or, you know, our our health outcomes, right? Like so many of the issues, you know, that then lead into communal conflict, then lead into investment into carceral systems and policing. So many of the causes are these environmental factors. So over the years of marching, being in coalitions, having rallies, having meetings, having event spaces, because that's a lot of what Let Us Breathe does is make space for movement to, to gather, to join, to coalesce, to see itself. Um, a relationship to land was always coming to the forefront. And so that translation of like land sovereignty, um, then I think translated to us under being more legible of this larger tradition of, of EJ work. Yeah, and I think in the times that our lives have overlapped for the last eight years, mm -hmm. there's definitely been kind of shared trajectories. Mm -hmm. But I think in some ways going back, like my entry point into experiencing what social movements could look like was kind of if not mainstream, then kind of widespread in, uh, environmental uh, movement work in the early 2000s. So I remember going to climate marches and as a kid. I remember like going to summer camps where we would learn about the pollution and the cleanup of the Hudson River in New York where I grew up. 
Uh, I remember understanding the ways that like the fish and the whales were impacted by what got dumped in the water. There was a like that was just part of kind of the fabric of my life. I didn't really think of that as like separate from how I you know walked through the woods. Um, but I think I didn't connect that necessarily. It took years of getting to the point where I could see how that connected to the answers to the questions that we were asking. Um, and, and so I think we had the, the rare opportunity to come to that on our own terms in a way that made sense in our brains as opposed to like, oh, this is what we're supposed to be thinking or saying about what the, the solution is. Um, and that really came from our practice on air and off air, but especially on air of asking people questions and listening and learning through the types of inquiry that through doing this project we learned were what Hazel and Cheryl have done as well is yeah, I have a question and I'm not going to stop until I get an answer um, and I'm going to learn how to ask that question a lot of different ways depending on who I'm talking to. So it's been cool to kind of see that mirrored actually in the conversations we've had as part of this project. Well we know what Help This Garden Grow is because we've been part of your journey and we're so grateful for that collaboration. I'd love for you to tell the audience what it is, um, but I also want to preface it by saying I was excited because this isn't just a podcast documentary series. It is also a different way. It's mm -hmm. the dream way of making public media mm -hmm. with a, a community advisory board, mm -hmm. with being not being extractive, but mm -hmm. being participatory. Mm -hmm and you've got some big goals. Yeah. Uh, so tell us like what it is and what you yeah. wanna do. Yeah, so I, you know, I think the, the umbrella concept to the question you're asking is what we work to create, produce, and develop for our peers is what we're calling movement media. Um, and so in that, like we have, some of it was kind of like growing up and just like wanna challenge establishment tropes. Um, but as we've, you know, really, I think come into form, recognize that there's a lot of how storytelling, journalism, media is formed that actually supports or if not is passive to systems of harm, right? And so, you know, one of the ways that when just in interviews we would see that is just the way in which subjects of stories are objectified in the storytelling process. Um, and so we want to bring up one, the subjective position of folks that are more connected to the story than we are. Uh, but in this process, in our partnership, that that is not just ideological or you know, a, a political performance, uh, that actually in the resources of how it's produced and who are our partners in creating this, wanting to challenge some of the traditions of how documentary or storytelling works, you know, with some nuance, but a lot of times the idea of having the objective subject means I also then do not share resources with them. Uh, and so we've created what we call a creative cabinet of five folks who are in the EJ space that have been our thought partners in shaping the like macro structures of the story, but then also PCR as an organization and the steward and the bastion of the legacy of Hazel and Cheryl that you know the resources that we receive is also being split and shared in a cooperative model with the folks that we're telling the story with. So it's not the power dynamic of we're coming and you stay there and be studied and be looked at as like an anthropological experiment. Um, we are telling the story together uh, because it's your legacy. And so that's been the way in which all of our investment and the way in which we also see ourselves and our relationship to the work has, has been shaped. 
This is actually also a really good reminder that I have to email our creative cast. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was a, a central point for us coming in, especially since this project, you know, we've been talking into microphones and interviewing people for many, many years now, but this was a, a first foray into this form of doing a multi-part documentary. And we both have seen, like Damon said, the harms in how the, the structures of that medium work, right? People always talk about, uh, or often talk about objectivity, and there are kind of these principles of journalism. And we understand where they come from. We understand how they can be valuable. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the prioritizing, maintaining a distance from your subjects, and maintaining the resources away from your subjects over the human connection and the contribution to movement. Like, we're not doing this to, quote, like, build awareness. Though, of course, we want people, more people to know about the work. We're trying to, in as many ways as we can, contribute to the liberatory, world-changing work of PCR and the environmental justice movement. And we are, like, unabashed and unapologetic in that being the goal of the work we're doing. And so I think that then informs how we interact with our cabinet, how we interact with our partners, how we interact with y'all, how we interact with the people who we're interviewing. Is like we are trying to offer this as a gift yeah. because we see the importance of the work in some ways that people might not even be able to see themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, just to, I'll jump in there a little also, bit. Also, we talk Sorry. forever, so cut. <laughs> but talk. I just want to name, because he, he brought up the, this importance of contribution. Right, so a lot of times storytelling can be for education, which we value, or entertainment, which can be very passive. And we want to, in our work, activate people. So one, where you are, the, the work and the model that Hazel embodies is something that we want people to do everywhere. But also, you know, her name has become more popular in recent years, but there hasn't been a matching and investment in resources in maintaining her legacy. So you'll start to see it more mentioned in newspapers or some of these valuable but symbolic gestures. But while she was alive and for the last 25 years, there has been this push to have a Hazel Johnson environmental center. And so even if from it, like, you know, in our dream ego, like, oh, we do this media project that becomes super successful and everybody contributes with their little $10. Um, but even if that's not the case, just knowing that it is a, um, a harm or uh, it, is, it is inappropriate for us to be going forward with this movement without there being an actual investment in the spaces that made the movement possible. I love all of, of the things that you all are doing and I'll tick off that I know you want to have a bit of a study guide. Mm -hmm. You're even lifting the fact that the, the center is desired by the community mm -hmm. and the clips that we've heard are absolutely phenomenal. So we can't wait to see it come to life. I can't wait to hear it either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be six parts. Um, it'll be released at some point early next year uh, mm -hmm. is the plan. Um, you'll hear some little teasers and things like that before that. But it'll be, yeah, probably a six-episode uh, kind of full-length, feature-length for each episode. Um, and the contributions of the voices of, like, I don't know, dozens and dozens of people who we've had a chance Close to talk to. About 30 to. people or so. Yeah. yeah. You've been really embedded in the community. It's so exciting. Yeah, and you guys are so inspirational. The quality of your work, the intersectionality of the work mm -hmm. is just truly inspirational to me. You. Can you tell me what inspires you? Receiving compliments. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a great question. So, you know, I, I have a go-to answer, which also connects to why... I've been so grateful of this deeper entry into EJ work. Um, my, my like biggest movement contributors to my thinking, and I think so much work, is um, the Boggs from Detroit. So James and Grace Lee Boggs, who start from this 
not start, but are grounded in this overtly revolutionary tradition, labor organizing, you know, the big theory coming out of like CLR James socialist camp. And then by the 80s and 90s, there's this recognition of we have to do the work, we have to prefigure what we're naming. And so with the legacy of like Detroit summer, there was this practice of urban agriculture, urban farming, seeing that the what's happening in the crumbling deindustrialized communities of our cities is one, an environmental dynamic, and two, directly impacting the interpersonal social dynamics that are being criticized from these like conservative neoliberal standpoints. Um, and so, you know, and they intersect with art and performance. Um, and then also just the, particularly with Grace, since we live to like be about 100, yeah. what it looks like to put a, a lifetime into this work, right? So often we think of things as an event, right, or, or a moment. And what does it look like to dedicate decades or 80 years to these traditions and where they can go? So I, I'm going to shout out the Boggs, and you can maybe go more contemporary if you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she knew who you meant, though. Yes, so. yes. Shout out Grace Lee and Jimmy. You know, and fall, the, the documentaries have already been made for them. <laughs> go go yeah. watch those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's see. What inspires? I mean, so that's kind of in the, the themes or the ways of thinking. But in terms of the form of what we do, I've just always loved the intimacy of having someone's uh, voice in my ears. Like, that's what drew me to audio in the first place was the, the ability to like break through, I don't know, the, the performance of being, whether it's on camera or even in person, the way people are. <laughs> I know it's funny. But we've heard this film from me before. But, I have. Um, I've just always loved it. I think, you know, there's something that happens when you've been talking to someone and the mics kind of fade away a little bit in your mind and all of a sudden they're saying the thing that they wouldn't have said before because they trust you and as a listener you've been with them for that amount of time and you're able to hear it in a way that you wouldn't have if they'd started with that there's just there's an intimacy there that like is what i strive for in other parts of my life too in my relationships that i feel like there's a way to build within uh, media and model and so that's what inspires me is people have been able to do that really well as interviewers. Uh, He's definitely a public radio, you know, guy. loving guy. <laughs> some, so it's complicated. Uh, you're, right? well, uh, you're, you're an audio the, guy. You're, you're the public audio. radio person in my life. Well, the, yeah. For better, for better or worse. You're in the 99th percentile of, of radio. Well, okay, here's, what, here's what I'll tease you guys with, and Anne will appreciate this. <laughs> Studs Turkle and Oscar Brown Jr. Yes. of the future and of the of the moment. But I know Studs is my guy. Yeah, Studs so seriously, is... I can see it. So look it up if you don't know any of those those voices or people. We're giving people homework today. <laughs> we are giving we them are. homework. We and are. Speaking of activate which, you. <laughs> where can people learn more about your work? So uh, in addition to this project, we alluded to it, but kind of the the flagship of what we do is a show called Ergo, um, which is. Uh, pretty much weekly podcast uh, that we've been doing since 2015, interviewing artistic workers and movement workers, mostly based here in Chicago. And so that's uh, AIRGO, wherever you get your podcasts, ergoradio.com, all that type of stuff, at ergoradio on socials. Um, and then, of course, the climate change makers work that we did for the last couple of years is a kind of a great entry point. We just, I was just talking to somebody who was talking about how that for them has, was an entry point into environmental justice work as that show. So great job. You, you it did it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, ergoradio.com, A-I-R-G-O, wherever you get your, uh, your good old podcast. Well, we'll link to you, but we're excited because we're seeing the evolution of great 
thinkers who, um, there's a saying that you, you plant water or you pour water and it might dry up, but someone else comes along and pours some more. I, I feel that whatever we did together is just the start of what you all are going to offer to the world. And to think that it began, at least this part, with a relationship with Elevate is, is really humbling and we're grateful because that intergenerational work is what we need because climate change is coming for all of us. Yes. So yes. it takes all of us. And I can't overstate, but I'm going to try. Do it. Like how much this doesn't exist without y'all. Like one, it's wonderful to get a chance to reflect and I get you're being interviewed and all that, but like this is really a true partnership, this project mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, bringing the resources is one piece, but there has been such incredible uh, support, support and learning for the two of us who, yeah. like we said, this is, this is a new arena and just there, it's very rare to find the type of mentorship that we found from both of y'all in terms of how to get to make things on your own terms, how to do things ethically, how to do things in a way that's in line with our politic. Like there's plenty of people who know how to write a grant, though not as well as you. Um, <laughs> but there, there's been a, a type of care mm -hmm. and uh, alignment. And, and yeah, hey, don't start making oh. us cry yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our goal. <laughs> <laughs> Push in. <laughs> Push in for a close-up. <laughs> no, but thank you. Trying to give you some content here. Really, <laughs> yeah. so much for the ways that you've made this project possible and our own growth possible. Yeah. And, uh, it's been so incredibly impactful. It's, it's All we want is... you to do is fix everything. <laughs> so that's the only payback. <laughs> can I just mentor yeah. someone? <laughs> okay, you can yeah. do that too. Yeah. You can do that too. I'll finish the show and then we'll tell people about it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. This is a fun episode of Climate Change Makers, the, the intimate conversation with people who care and who are working together to bring uh, something unique uh, into the world that will bring all of us forward as we battle the climate crisis. I'm Sylvia Ewing, Daniel, Damon, and... <laughs> <laughs> I love it! <laughs>